You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Just around the corner, All Saints Day. We're going to dig into that topic today in preparation for All Saints Day, November 1st. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's LCMS Director of Worship and our chaplain for the International Center here in St. Louis. Chaplain Denzer, thanks so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour. Glad to do it. I always enjoy our chats. I think Sarah also enjoys them immensely because it usually involves about 90% of the conversation about hymns. So. Yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> always. I enjoy learning about worship. So. For people who don't know, I actually spent like a whole year studying worship and why we worship the way we do as Lutherans and like writing a whole paper on it. So that's why I enjoy these conversations so much. So I'm just a uh, nerd. <laughs> justifying my justifying my education. I'm not sure. So Monday, November first, the calendar says it is All Saints Day. What is this feast of all saints? Is it a feast? Yeah, yeah. We use the word feast to, to distinguish from fasting, I suppose. Uh-huh. And, and these days, maybe people don't fast as much as they once did. It might be worth considering. It makes the feast all the more grand, and it helps to distinguish it. But yeah, this is a special day in the church that's set aside. We know the church calendar, which is focused around the life of Christ, and for the most part, it goes from Sunday to Sunday with uh, a few very important fixed days like Easter, around which the whole church year warps. At the same time, there quickly developed a second calendar, so to speak, a calendar that was definitely connected to the calendar you'd find on your wall because it was the commemoration of real people who were really born on certain days, really died on certain days. Maybe I should distinguish. Of course, Christ was born and died on a specific day too, but but they, they tied it in with Passover mm-hmm. since he died on Passover. And so the day changes from year to year. How do you calculate Easter? First, uh, Sunday after the full moon of the spring equinox. So the, the life of Christ is, is played out kind of metaphorically, not in real time, of course. So it can happen in one year. But the commemoration of people in the church, apostles, but quickly other saints, other famous pastors, other famous people in the church, their days were remembered just as we would by marking on a calendar, by knowing this is the day that so-and-so died, this is the day that such-and-such church council was held, and All Saints Day then is a day that's set aside for all of them, for all the saints, uh, to commemorate all of the the great heroes of the faith, we might say, those who who believed in Christ Jesus, who lived lives uh, in imitation of Christ, and to whom the church looks up to as as big brothers and big sisters in the faith. I think that's a fine way to think about it. In in our Lutheran confessions, we talk about the right way to honor the saints. That's because there is a wrong way, one that's been pretty common in the church, actually, in her history. But the right way to honor saints is to recognize, first of all, their faith in Christ Jesus, to see how the Lord worked faith in them by the Holy Spirit, by the Word and the sacraments, that they trusted in Him, and we thank God for that. We see how they're by no means perfect people, how the Lord forgave them, how how they, in good times and bad, 
found comfort in God, how they were brought to be restored when they fall, when they fell. Think of Peter, for example, and that's of great comfort to us. And then thirdly, we learn to imitate them in their good works in this life, especially based on their vocations. So Mary, the mother of our Lord, is not only a, a a model for what the church is. She's this great woman of faith, right? What does she say? Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. And Jesus himself testifies to that. Yeah, blessed is Mary, but blessed is everyone who hears the word of God and keeps it. Well, that's what a Christian is. And you can imitate her as a, as a godly mother. You can imitate Joseph as a godly father and guardian. You could imitate David as a godly king. And, uh, and there are many more saints and martyrs and prophets and apostles with which we can uh, imitate their good works and give thanks to God for uh, what he's done through them. So this day includes all of the saints that also have other feast days and then also what the saints that, that we also have known in our own lives. Is that true? Good question. In the history of the church, there was quite a big distinction, actually. And you can see this in one of our hymns still, the hymn, Behold a Host Arrayed in White, in Lutheran Service Book, it's hymn 676. This is a great hymn, and we know it's an All Saints Day hymn. We don't always recognize that it's talking about specific categories of the saints. It's talking about this host, this great army, so to speak, of of, of Christians with the Father awaiting the resurrection of the last day. Talks about the martyrs with the palms, talks about the people who were despised and scorned, the martyrs, talks about apostles, I think you can see in there, the prophets. And it it really doesn't talk about you and me or uh, a grandma who died in the faith or your father or, or anyone that we would know, let's put it that way, that we've met in our lifetimes. Until you get to the end, in the very last stanza, all of a sudden it changes and it says, uh, they're all before the throne of God, the myriad angels are raising their song. And then it says, oh, saints, sing with that happy throng, lift up one voice, let heaven rejoice in our Redeemer's song. This is great for a couple of reasons. One, it makes it clear that the occasion for singing is Christ our Redeemer and what he has done to redeem us, them with us. Also, it addresses the living people as saints, which is the way the Bible uses the word saints in the New Testament. Paul calls his hearers, when he writes his letters, to the saints in such and such city. So, so first and foremost, it is a term that applies to you and me right now. But we tend to use the, the term, and even sometimes we add that phrase, the sainted such and such person, to indicate those who have departed this life who are awaiting the resurrection with Christ Jesus. And just as this hymn kind of separates out the, for lack of a better term, the famous ones, the martyrs, the apostles, the prophets, the ones who are in heaven that we might actually know the name of for all this 2,000-year history of Christianity— it did separate out the the ordinary every day, your grandma, my father, these people. In the history of the church, that separation is much starker for a different reason. In the Roman Catholic understanding, the only people who are truly and rightly called saints are those uh, whose eternal punishments have all been completed or transmuted, those who uh, completed enough good works to earn their way into heaven and don't have to uh, wait uh, and have any of their sin purged away in purgatory. And so the saints are those who are in heaven right now. They're a very select class of people. But most of us, when we die, 
would uh, be in purgatory, according to the Roman Catholic Church, to, to purge off our sins until we'd be at some point ready to enter into heaven perfectly. And there's where indulgences, masses for the sake of the dead come in, in their understanding. They had a second day, All Souls Day, and that's the day after All Saints Day, uh, the second of November. That would have been All Souls Day, and that would have been the day that you would have thought about your grandma, my father, people we would have known who would have died in the faith, but with a very different purpose, to, to remember them for the sake of helping to transfer the merits of the saints to their account so that they would have less time in purgatory. This should all sound very familiar to our Lutheran listeners because this is the whole baggage that surrounds the indulgence controversy against which Luther writes 95 sentences, the 95 theses, nails it on the door, supposedly the night before All Saints Day when everybody's coming into town to check out his prince's great relic collection and when lots of people will be there to dispute this academic paper he wrote. But that's kind of the the hammer blow, so the story goes, that kicks off the Reformation. His first big published work, the explanation of those 95 theses and so on. So, so it's kind of at the heart of what we understand as Lutherans, which is different than the Roman Catholic Church. What does that all mean for All Saints Day now? I'm sure you're about to ask me that. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here. You, you could ask the questions too. <laughs> uh, well, we, we break down that distinction, which is so rooted in all of the confusion about purgatory, about the need for our merits to supplement what Christ has done in some way, or the, the fact that mm-hmm. the, the fate of those who believe in Christ is somehow uncertain after this life. Rather, we say like Christ does, that uh, today you'll be with me in paradise, that those who trust in Christ are, are blessed with him like Lazarus was at Abraham's bosom, and we await the resurrection to eternal life. So in a sense, we take all the people that would have been uh, remembered on All Souls Day, and we, we put them right in with All Saints Day. If we've lost something, I suppose it's a special emphasis on the great heroes of the faith that everybody would know because they're so famous and well-known across Christian history. And maybe that's a shame. But at the same time, we look at what the scriptures say. We look at the way Paul addresses us even now, uh, yet in this veil of tears as saints, as holy people made holy by the blood of Christ Jesus. And we know that there's nothing wrong with, with, with putting all of the Christians together in this one commemoration where we, again, do those three things that are totally appropriate for the saints, to honor them by thanking God for their faith, watching and being encouraged by their strengthening in the faith uh, in the midst of troubles, and that we would imitate them in their good works as well. I love the history because that just, not only are we learning about All Saints Day, but also that that somewhat changed my perspective on the events of the Reformation too. <laughs> Just, I, I knew there was a connection there, but thanks for bringing that out. That's right. And of course, Halloween yeah. maybe has some predecessors in in other religions, but really it's a Christian holiday. It's it's just the vigil of the evening before the Een of All Hallows, All Saints Day. Uh, now, whether you have to be all pagan about it is a different question, but <laughs> if you want to have some candy, you won't offend me. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking a look at the Feast of All Saints or All Saints Day with Chaplain Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the LCMS and our Chaplain for the International Center in St. Louis. We have more to chat about here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golsa.
You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with Chaplain Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and our chaplain for the International Center. So since he's my chaplain, I get to ask him all kinds of really tough questions. <laughs> and he usually has really good answers, too. <laughs> usually. We love you, Andy. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're talking about All Saints Day. And I, I don't think we've stumped him yet. So let's Not come yet. up with some really good ones. Yeah. We're talking about All Saints Day uh, today on the Coffee Hour. And um, you, you've given us a nice history of All Saints Day, how we are, why we celebrate it, uh, why we observe it as Lutherans. Well, shall we get to the, the how? Definitely. Sure. How we observe All Saints Day. I know you've got, you've brought your library with you here with all <laughs> kinds of resources. What do you bring want- a book when three will do? So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want to go to first? What, in terms of how we observe All Saints Day? Probably worth saying that despite all of that, slightly confusing and history, which has a lot of stuff that we take issue with because it's contrary to what the scriptures say, particularly that there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Therefore, we're not to be addressing the the faithful departed in our prayers. We're not to be asking them to pray for us. They certainly do. They don't need our help. And and that there is no like transfer of divine goods in order to get some people into heaven at a different time. And the whole question of purgatory just does not come from the scriptures. So so it is maybe surprising with all of that baggage that we would still be celebrating All Saints Day today, but we do, and and the Lutherans often did. They they acknowledged the saints, many of them throughout the year too on their particular days, but they continued to acknowledge all the saints as well on this special feast. Uh, it was moved to the 1st of November, way back in the 800s by uh, the Pope at the time, Gregory IV, I think it was, and... Um, and the reasons may have been it's just a better time of year for them in Rome to have a lot of people visiting. As we said, it was a place, a time in Wittenberg where they had that relic collection where lots of people were visiting. Wittenberg is kind of your knockoff Rome for a nice festive vacation to visit the saints' bones. Sorry, not to be too crass about it. I love how before this off, off the air, he said, I don't know much about the history. <laughs> <laughs> so how how do we Lutherans observe it? Really, in terms of the scriptures that we hear, in terms of the propers that are sung, no differently. We still hear the gospel, which is from the Beatitudes, Jesus talking about blessed are the poor in spirit, a beautiful text, and, and which talks about one the Lord's mercy, right, that he has mercy on the meek, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied by him. But also that certainly speaks about somebody who is upright, somebody who is blessed, and somebody who is is Christ-like. In fact, in many ways, the Beatitudes describe Christ, and therefore, you know, what what true blessed human life ought to be if sin had nothing to do with it, if it were all entirely taken away. Uh, so really, we see this 
this exhibited in those who no longer are weeping in this world, but have been freed from all of these things whose works do follow after them in eternal life. That's what the epistle from, uh, the, the historic epistle from Revelation talks about, which is now our first reading, because we've also added something from First John about that we are children of God. What we shall be has not yet appeared, but we know when he, Christ, does appear, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in Christ purifies himself just as Christ is pure. Beautiful passage to connect uh, kind of the Beatitudes here with the vision that John has of all these people, a great multitude that no one can number, in their white robes made white by the blood of the lamb, the only the only blood that ever cleansed fabric instead of making it dirty for your uh, detergent commercial, right? Uh, (laughs) And they're all singing the hymn, right? Amen, blessing and glory and power. Praise be to the Lamb and to our God forever and ever. This is where we also hear the they'll hunger no more and neither thirst. God will wipe away every tear for uh, their eyes, which is what brings in our, our, I think, much more recent, but in a way, closer to what the church had always done on this day and on the next day, All Souls Day, which is to remember not only the famous saints, not only the ones that are in the history books and the and the martyr books, but even the ones that are close to us. That This is a day where we think also about the faithful departed period. Not only are we rejoicing in what they've accomplished, what Christ has given them completely through, through the victory that he's given to them, that they're awaiting the full uh, delivery of in the resurrection, but also we give a moment to our sadness. Maybe we remember them fondly, we miss them, uh, and we recognize that, that we want to follow after them, which is to say, not just to be with them forever, that would be wonderful too, but that the most important thing to us is to be with Christ forever. And if we're with Christ, then we have all things that we've lost, as he said to Peter and the apostles when they were facing the cross as well. So it makes good sense that this is the day that so many churches will commemorate the faithful departed for the year. Sometimes they'll toll a bell, maybe they'll light candles, but the central focus is simply to remember those who've departed from our various congregations in the faith, who we know their their names are written in the book of life, who we will see again at the last day in the resurrection, and, and who we would like to join, and therefore we trust in Christ our Savior at all times. So we've already talked about 676, Behold a Host Arrayed in White, which is probably my favorite All Saints Day. Well, maybe not my favorite. One of my favorite All Saints Day hymns. Are there other hymns you want to talk about? I know 677, For All the Saints, that's the hymn of the day for All Saints Day. I hope everyone knows For All the Saints. This is it comes to us from the Anglican tradition. It's a Rafe on Williams yes. tune, so it's very powerful, and, and the words are, are very excellent. Some of the ones are the, the quiet stands, as I would call them, right? A blessed communion, fellowship divine. We feebly struggle they in glory shine, the, the contrast that we kind of think of on this day between those who have the beatific vision and uh, we militant who are yet waiting to, to see the triumph and the victory, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living, as the Psalms say it. So this is a great hymn. And we await the, the yet more glorious day when the saints triumphant rise, that is, rise from the dead in bright array. But I'd like to focus on another hymn, which is from our tradition in the Lutheran Church. This is 679 in LSB. This is, Oh, How Blessed Are They Whose Toils Are Ended. Interesting, this one was translated by an American, by Henry Longfellow. 
I better double check that he wasn't American, but I think he was. Uh, so it's a really good English translation. We changed it slightly, again, out of nervousness about praying to the saints. We don't need to address them. We, we direct all our prayers to God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. But in defense of the old translation you can find in our old hymnal, it was a poetic address. And it's, it's, it's expressing this contrast between just we heard, we feebly struggle, but they in glory shine. And, and so the stanzas go back and forth. We're talking about our situation here, and then we're saying, ah, but, but those who are with Christ awaiting the resurrection, they have, they have the things that we don't have. They, they're, they're with Christ, and, and all sorrows are taken away, as the Revelation passage says. Or, or as Paul said, right? I don't know whether it's better to be here. It, it's far better to be with the Lord, and yet it's necessary for you that I remain. That's the, the bittersweet moment that we're recognizing as we consider how we miss those who have died in the faith, and yet how we know they're with Christ, and that's far better, and, and we long to be with Christ also. So just a couple highlights from this great hymn, which has a wonderfully haunting tune that's original. You know, we're still oppressed with sorrow and misgiving. Our undertakings are toils and troubles and heartbreakings. But they, meanwhile, are in their chambers sleeping, referring to their bodies. They're set free from all their weeping. No cross or sadness there hinders their untroubled gladness. Have we ever had a gladness that was without even the slightest tinge of sorrow or trouble? I don't think so, but the day will come. Christ has wiped away their tears forever. They have that for which we still endeavor, right? It's it's not our goal just to sing the praise of long-gone heroes as if we were pagans, but it is, in fact, to follow them, or even better, to follow Christ, whom they followed. By them are chanted songs, Sarah, that never were granted to mortal ears yet. So <laughs> we love our hymns now, but just imagine what we're going to hear from them. And I don't know if I can sing, but maybe I'll try it. The last stanza is so beautiful. Come, O Christ, and loose the chains that bind us. Lead us forth and cast this world behind us. With you the anointed finds the soul its joy and rest appointed. It's a prayer, right? We're, we're ready to leave this world behind when our day should come, to be with you, Christ, the Anointed One, and, and to find at last the, the joy and the rest that we have tastes of in this world, but it eludes us in the fullness that, that Jesus has, right? I've come that your joy may be full, he says, and we'll have that when we're with him and finally at the last day when we with all the saints rise in bright array. Anything else you want to cover about All Saints Day? It is interesting that the times in the church where All Saints themes, where the themes of heaven, eternal life, hope in the resurrection, blessedness have been most valuable, mm-hmm. haven't been the times when things are going great, but they have been the times when things are going terrible. When the plague was ripping through Europe, that's when uh, some of our greatest hymn writers wrote some of the greatest hymns talking about, awake, awake, night is flying. We long to be like those virgins wise who enter into God's eternal wedding feast. Or or some of these great hymns for All Saints Day, Bernard of Cluny, a, a monk who really was a reformer in his time, but who in a world that was just kind of 
dark. I mean, if you think about the dark Middle Ages, he was dealing with that and dealing with a lot of corruption in the church. And he's one who who writes this great hymn, Jerusalem, the Golden, talking about uh, the new Jerusalem, about eternal life and the happy place to be uh, in the presence of God with all of the great throng of martyrs and apostles and prophets. And we begin to turn our minds to the things above, to be with those who've gone before us, to be with Christ and free from this world's riches that so often threaten to choke out the faith, as well as to be free of its sorrows. So all of those themes are there in All Saints Day. And I think this is one of the reasons why it is such a a beloved feast of the church. It's one that a lot of Christians, a lot of Lutherans look forward to each year. And and a reason why I think it's it's fantastic that we as Lutherans didn't do the easy thing and throw it out, say, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of goofiness that's been mixed up with this, so we better just forget about it all. No, there, there's there's a great compassion in recognizing the communion of saints. We confess this every Sunday, right? The fact that we are joined together as a one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that, that our membership roles are bigger than our congregations, of course, but also bigger than the Missouri Synod at this moment, bigger than all the Christians around the world at this moment. It extends backward and forward in time, it extends into eternity, that we uh, do gather each Sunday with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven around the Lamb of God, whose blood has has redeemed us, has made our robes white, and, and with whom we shall be soon. All Saints Day. Our guest today, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's Director for Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and Chaplain for the International Center. Chaplain Denzer, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. My pleasure. Blessed All Saints Day. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.